great to see you all. Welcome to those who might be here as visitors tonight and also to people who have been away and are returning tonight. It's great to have you guys here. Um, my name is Bill, and uh, tonight we are beginning a series that will continue through uh, the spring break um, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, our hope is that through this, I think the Holy Spirit is something about which a lot of Christians are um, confused in a variety of ways, and, and our hope is to strengthen our understanding of who God is and how he is at work in us, as uh, not only as individuals, but also how he's at work in us as a, as a gathered uh, community, um, and even how he's at work through us uh, in the world. So I'll, I'll begin with uh, this uh, affirmation uh, where we're going to start. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I hope, I hope you all do, do too. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, when we think about uh, the Christian God, one of the fundamental uh, defining beliefs uh, that has characterized Christianity uh, and Christians throughout the ages is that there is one God. And this is in continuity with God as he's revealed also in the Old Testament. So Christians are monotheistic um, and that one God uh, that Christians worship and believe and uh, obey is revealed in the scriptures uh, as triune, uh, is revealed as Father, is revealed as Son, uh, is revealed as Holy Spirit. And so Christians are not only monotheists, but we are also Trinitarians. And... Uh, this, this is a, a, a complicated concept. We'll talk a little bit more about that. and I'm not sure I'm going to uncomplicate it. I can't. But uh, this understanding of God is not something uh, that is clearly uh, laid out in the Old Testament. In fact, it's not clearly laid out anywhere in the Bible. The Bible doesn't come to us as a theology textbook. Um, but in the Old Testament, uh, certainly, if, if it's not clearly... Uh, laid out, uh, it is anticipated in a variety of places and ways, uh, specifically with regard to the Holy Spirit. I'll just mention a, a couple of those very briefly, right as we begin to read the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, uh, we read, and the Spirit of God, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created, and verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so already there seems to be some sort of hint at, at uh, a distinction here. Um, and that distinction might be a clue to us uh, understanding a little bit more why just a few verses later, in verse 26, uh, when, when God uh, is described as creating humanity, uh, there the text says, and God said, let us make man, Adam, in our image and after our likeness. So there, again, is a little bit of a hint of, of some sort of a plurality. And, you know, throughout the Old Testament, then, we do find these references not only to, to God, but also to the Spirit frequently. And that Spirit in the Old Testament uh, narratives and in the prophets and various places uh, emerges there not only as some sort of impersonal power or force, but also uh, 
described the, the, the characteristics of a divine person. And uh, we won't take the time to look at uh, any of those passages. But if it's not you know, clear and present in the Old Testament, when we turn to the New Testament, uh, these elements out of which uh, we, we come to understand God as being triune emerge very clearly and, and powerfully. In other words, the doctrine of the Trinity, of course, it takes time for the church to wrestle with what's the relationship between Jesus Christ and God and how how is the Holy Spirit uh, uh, play into all this. Certainly the church wrestles with that, but the idea that the Trinity is something that was invented, you know, uh, later as a later formulation of the church is just not, is not fair. It emerges from the text itself. And this idea of God being one and in three person, persons, what we call the, the Trinity, is one thing on which all branches, whether we're talking about uh, uh, Roman Catholicism, if we're talking about Orthodoxy, Eastern or Russian Orthodoxy, or if we're talking about Protestant Christianity, all branches of Christianity agree on this, that God is, there's one God who exists in three persons, uh, such that uh, the, the German theologian uh, Karl Barth uh, would say in, in his way, quote, Trinity is the Christian name for God. And so uh, to begin to get at this and to think a little bit more about particularly the Holy Spirit um, as God, I, I want to focus on just two texts tonight. Uh, one, and they're both short, one is in the Gospel of Matthew and one is in 2 Corinthians. So first of all, this text from uh, the end of Matthew's Gospel. These, these are the last verses of the, of the Gospel. Um, this comes after Jesus' uh, birth and his, his public earthly ministry and his uh, uh, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. And before he ascends to the Father, he gathers his, uh, his followers together, and he gives them this charge, which some of you will know is often referred to as the Great Commission. But notice the, the triune nature of God here. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always, uh, I'm with you always to the end of, of the word. Uh, excuse me, I skipped over to the end of the age. Um, and, and so here... Uh, I mean, this is extraordinary, right, that, that Christians, in calling people to faith in Christ and to identify themselves as part of the, the community that, that believes in Jesus Christ, going and making disciples, uh, when a person uh, joins that company and is, identifies publicly uh, with God, with Jesus Christ, uh, through baptism, uh, that, that the language that Jesus is baptizing them, not in the name of God, uh, but in the name of uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is so familiar to you, but this is, this is remarkable. And it is, it's just expressing in very succinct uh, uh, ways that, that, that God, it's, it's not the names of, it's the name of uh, and, and so here we see God as one and God as, as triune. And this is confusing, uh, certainly. It's, it's hard to comprehend. And so we need to say in the first place that Christians do not believe, as some uh, think we do, 
we do not believe in three gods. We're not polytheists. Uh, nor, uh, I said at the beginning, that Christians believe in one god. Uh, we do, but we are not, for example, Unitarians, which was a, a, really a reaction against uh, historic Christianity and, and is, is a rejection of this idea of uh, the Trinity. Uh, nor are we, some of you will know this language, we're not deists. Uh, a, a, a deist is also uh, uh, rejects the idea uh, of, of God uh, not only uh, being triune, but in a deistic way of thinking God is, is wholly, not with an H, but with a W-H, wholly mm -hmm. distinct from, wholly different from, wholly removed from uh, the creation. So God is, uh, you sometimes hear the analogy of a, of a watchmaker. He, he, he creates the universe, he winds it up, and then he lets it go, and he's uninvolved, uh, he's remote, he's, he's distant. Um, Christians are not deists uh, by any means. Um, but at the other sort of end of the spectrum, nor are we pantheists, who, uh, in that sense, a pantheist would reject the idea of a God who is outside of the universe, who created it, who is personal, and would view God as being in or within the creation. Uh, you hear the word imminent, not as though he's coming quickly, but meaning in or, or, or within. And that God is impersonal. So we're, we're not pantheists either. So uh, we're kind of trying to work our way toward, no, go back, work our way toward what we do believe, in part by saying what we don't. Rather, the New Testament affirms these two things uh, in a variety of ways, that there is only one God, and that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equally God. They are not merely interchangeable. Um, they are not, uh, we might say, different modes, different ways that God expresses Himself sort of like a, uh, he morphs like a transformer or, or you know, that kind of a thing. Um, no, there's genuine distinction. You guys understand that. <laughs> Transformers, right? Uh, so, uh, no, there's distinction. So, uh, Timothy Keller summarizes it this way. There are three persons within the unity of God's being who are equally divine, who know and love one another, <coughs> There's the, the, the personality. And who from all eternity have worked for our salvation. Or an, an older statement, this, this comes out of the, uh, the famous Westminster Catechism. You can go to that next slide now. Um, which is in, the, in a question and answer format. And this is just excerpting. Are there more gods than one? No, there is but one only, the living and true God. Well, how many persons are there? In, in the Godhead. There are three in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one true eternal God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory, although distinguished by their personal properties. Well, how does it appear that the Son and the Holy Spirit and God uh, are equal, are God equal with the Father? Answer, the scriptures manifest that the Son and the Holy Spirit are God equal with the Father, now, ascribing unto them such names, attributes, works, and worship as are proper to God only. 
uh, I've got a, a, a schematic that this actually dates from, uh, I think, from the 12th century, and in, in some sense, it's a it's an attempt to capture uh, one of the great uh, Christian creeds, the Athanasian Creed. Um, See, so God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, so there's the distinction. Um, and in, in a sense, that is an attempt to, you know, capture what we find when we read uh, the Bible, the, the New Testament. And this is a deep uh, mystery. Um, this, this is a wonder. It's beyond, uh, I believe, anyone's full comprehension. Um, and, of course, that has led many to, to try to um, illustrate or explain it by use of, of analogies. Uh, so you may have heard, uh, it's like water, right? Water can exist as liquid, solid, or gas. Or it's like the sun. There's a star, there's a light, there's heat. Or it's like a cube, height, width, and, and length. Or uh, my kids had, had, a, had a book uh, that tried to explain the Trinity in terms of an apple that has, has the skin and the, the, the flesh and, and, and the seeds. And these might be helpful in, in some ways, <laughs> maybe, but, but they can also uh, very quickly fall short, and uh, in, in some of them are uh, downright heretical. Uh, <laughs> if, if you want to have some fun with, with this, uh, go online to YouTube, and um, there's you, you can find, if you, if you type in uh, either Lutheran satire or um, St. Patrick's Bad Analogies, um, that's really funny, but you can find St. Patrick's Bad Analogies uh, for, for, the, for the Trinity. And it's not only funny, but you'll actually learn something. <laughs> so... We believe in, in uh, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we sing, holy, 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 uh, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Um, and, and yet, practically, uh, many people have observed that while Christians, while we affirm the Trinity, um, Christians are often functionally, I, I don't even know how I pronounce this word, but I'll try, uh, binitarianism as opposed to Trinitarian. Um, so we, we will say the creed or we'll sing, you know, Blessed Trinity, but practically speaking, we tend to believe in God and we believe in Jesus, and we're not quite sure what to do with the Holy Spirit uh, or how the Holy Spirit uh, uh, figures into this. And, and this might be um, also complicated for us by the fact that, okay, God the Father, that's a relational term, Jesus Christ the Son, that's a relational term, but Holy Spirit, or the, the older word, Holy Ghost, um, what, do we, what do we make of that? And, um, and then we have the fact that uh, some of the, the things that are used to help describe the workings of the Spirit uh, might be things like wind, or fire, or water, or oil, uh, all of which do teach us different things about the nature of the Spirit. But those are all again, impersonal things. And so, sometimes we're left, is the spirit a person? Is it a force? And, and so, one of the things that we want to be doing in the weeks ahead is to be growing in our understanding of the Holy Spirit as, as God. And to just begin to do that, let's look at another text. 
Uh, and this is, this is the ending verse uh, of Paul's letter, uh, second letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, and this is such a beautiful statement. It's a, it's a blessing. It's a prayer uh, that uh, Paul is expressing on behalf of the church. So we might say, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And what, what a remarkable Trinitarian prayer. One writer that I was reading about this says this is, this is a profound theological moment in all of Scripture. And, uh, you know, let's think about it for a minute. No, obviously, you have the Lord Jesus Christ. You have God, and you have the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's clearly Trinitarian in that way. But, but notice it's, there, there's more, and, and the content, I think, is is illuminating for us, because in this prayer, what is, what is Paul calling our attention to? In a sense, he's calling our attention to some of the different aspects of how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, relate to one another in, in, uh, for our good, uh, for our salvation. So, you know, jumping at the middle term, uh, the love of God uh, points us to, to, to God, the, the, the merciful, the compassionate God, who, what, secondly, expresses that love in, in a very concrete and historical uh, way through the action of the incarnation, um, and with it, the death and the resurrection of Christ. For God, the loving, merciful God, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And so uh, Jesus is, is the concrete, the, the living expression uh, of uh, the, the Father's love uh, and, and of his grace. It is through the death of Christ that grace comes uh, to us. And then we have the Holy Spirit, and the fellowship of uh, the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's through the, the, the gift, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Hers because Jesus has died, has been raised again, has been exalted, that the promised uh, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, uh, is, is now poured out, is, is now in a new way, as never before, um, at work in, in the creation. Uh, and he uses this, this word fellowship, koinonia in, in the Greek, um, to, to speak of uh, God being present in an, in an abiding, in an empowering uh, way, uh, so that you know we could say what what is most characteristic of the Holy Spirit is is this this idea of fellowship and um, bringing us into fellowship with with the living God. And so from from this, just two things I want to highlight very briefly it is first what we're seeing here is God's active presence is one of the things that we, we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is, is the agent of God's activity. And I'm not going to give you chapter and verse, but if we were to look at numerous passages in the New Testament, here are some of the things you'd see. You'd see that the Holy Spirit is active in what? He's, he's active in the work of, of our salvation, in cleansing us from sin, in uh, revelation, bringing God's word in preaching of the gospel, 
in prophetic speech, in uh, tongue speaking, in uh, battling against sin, in strengthening uh, believers, in sealing believers for their salvation, in enabling believers to serve and, and to love. And so wherever God is at work in his people, uh, the Spirit is there to make it happen. Uh, the Spirit is God's active presence. Or if we were to look at another set of verses, that uh, just listen to the verbs uh, that are ascribed to the Spirit. The Spirit searches. The Spirit knows. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit dwells within. The Spirit accomplishes. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit cries out with our spirit. The Spirit leads us, bears witness, desires, helps us, intercedes for us, works on our behalf, strengthens us, is grieved by us. So we see the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force, but is, is always God's active and powerful and personal presence. Let me amplify that second. Not only his active presence, but his personal presence. In the Old Testament, as I said, we find the promise that God would make a new covenant with his people. You find this in places like Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36. And part of that promise is, is this promise of God pouring out his spirit, putting his spirit uh, within. Uh, and this covenant that's that's set before us as a promise in the Old Testament is actually inaugurated. It's, it's uh, started by Christ himself. And in this new work, in this new covenant era in which we live, the Holy Spirit is, is the way that God dwells in and among his people. And it's a remarkable kind of a shift. If, in the Old Testament, God often manifested his presence with his people in a, in a location, like in the tabernacle or in the temple, and now God is present with his people, not in a, in a building, but in his people. He says, I will put uh, my spirit in your heart, uh, present within us, so that Paul can say, your body is a temple uh, of, the, of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within you. And he will also say that the community, collectively, corporately, of those who believe are a temple, a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. That's extraordinary, right? That the dwelling place uh, of God upon the earth is his people, and, and that it is the Holy Spirit, uh, the promised one, who indwells us, that we have fellowship. We have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I hope you do tonight. And just to quickly, a couple of, of implications of this. When we think about God as triune, as mysterious as it is, here's one thing. God exists eternally, which is to say he exists completely independently of our existence or of the universe's existence. God exists eternally in loving community, we might say, with himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So God is, is ontologically, in, in his essence, he is not alone. And, it's, and so he's not lonely. He didn't make us because he's, he was bored or lonely or needed, needed some companionship. Uh, one writer says this, God has always had within himself a perfect friendship. And that is a friendship in which God delights. He delights in himself. He is happy in, in love. He is joyful. And what, what is so extraordinary is, is that in this joyous relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there, there's a sense, and I'm, I'm at, at risk of, of speaking too much in human terms, God doesn't say, hey, we're happy, we don't need anybody else, we don't want anybody else. But rather, the impulse of God is to desire relationship with us, so that, in a sense, he might invite us into the joy that is his. To share in the joy of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or to put it another way, because God is inherently not alone, we are not alone. We're not alone in the universe, and, and God is inviting us into joyous relationship with him through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. But, but secondly, that is, seems to be one of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit works, is, is, is the Spirit is the one who invites us, who brings us into this joyous relationship with God. And so Paul will say that, that our access to God is by the Spirit. And it, that it's the Spirit who pours out the love of God into our hearts. And it's the Spirit who teaches us that we are beloved, adopted children, and that we can call God our, our Daddy, Abba, Father. So it's by the, the Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit, that God is with His people in love and in power. That we have access to God. And, and so this leads me to say, draw near to him. He's not distant. He's remote. He's not far away. He is he's present by the Spirit. And finally, not only is he present by the Spirit in each one of us as, as kind of separate individuals, but as we said a minute ago, by the Spirit, God is also with us as a gathered people. And so it, it the scripture will say that it, it's the Spirit who makes us one, not only uh, with God, but with one another. And, and that leads to the exhortation that we would be making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Fellowship with one another is something that we enjoy because of the, the, the fellowship that we have with God by the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit makes us a glad people, a loving people, a people growing in, in goodness, in faith, in hope, in holiness. All of the virtues of God are, are the virtues that the Spirit is producing in us. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to look deeper and, and as broadly as we can into different aspects of how the Spirit is working. So I hope you'll come back. Let me just close bringing us back to these great words with this benediction for all of us. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit